0: Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, I'm speaking on Go 16. Go 16. Now, um, you might be wondering, why am I speaking on that title? It's another way of saying Mark 16. And I believe that Mark 16 is a model for the church. Some people would disagree today because there is something in the the Bible that says that was added later. Uh, But here, it's in most of our Bibles today. And if you look at the verse, it's the Great Commission. And what I want to try and do today is put your life back at the center of the Great Commission. Put your life at the back of the center of the Great Commission. And uh, this came about... Earlier this year, before the resurrection uh, weekend, uh, we tend to, as Christians, celebrate resurrection once a year. Uh, We believe for resurrection throughout the year. We hope for resurrection, but we actually believe and celebrate it once a year at Easter time. But before that resurrection Sunday, God led me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, and reminded me of what God wants to do in his church. If you look at it today, Mark 16, I'm going to read from verse 14 onwards to verse 20. Later he appeared, and I want you to underline that in your Bible. Later he appeared. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him when he was risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues, and they will drink. They will take up serpents. And if they drink, ending deadly, will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, who are the they? Who are the they? Who are the they? I want you to tell your neighbour, you are the they. Amen? You are the they. You are they who will lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You are a disciple of Jesus. You are a Christian today. Then you can lay hands on people and see them healed. It says in verse 19, So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out everywhere, preached everywhere, and the Lord working. Now put a line in your Bible or a highlight on your iPad or whatever you're using today. The Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. So, Mark 16, I believe, is a model passage for us to look at as we move into this move of God. And here you see the disciples. They were not firing on all cylinders. So, don't worry today if you're not firing on all cylinders. Sometimes we go through stuff, we go through life. God knows the stuff that we go through. And sometimes we're just not all there. You might not be all there today. You may have come to church, you're, you've worshiped, you've sang songs, but you're just not connecting. And sometimes we are connecting. But here the disciples were simply not connecting. They had lost Jesus. He died on the cross. They'd lost a friend. They were going through mourning. And in fact, they had this amazing encounter with an angel who said to them, go and tell my disciples, go and tell Peter that I've risen from the dead. And the Bible says, it says that they did nothing. They said nothing to anyone in verse 8. They did nothing. Now, if you're in a place where you're doing nothing, then the only way is up. Amen. The only way is to do something. And it seems to me that God wants us to do something rather than nothing. So ask yourself the question, what is the something that God wants me to do? What is the something that God wants me to do? What does He want me to do this year? The something. Because here they did nothing. They had this great experience. So if we're believing for a move of the Holy Spirit and we have this great encounter and you come down here and you cry and weep on the floor as I've done many times and sought the Lord and I want to do that more. But if all that comes about is nothing, then I I don't I don't want an experience that ends in nothing. I want an experience with God that ends in something. Amen? Something that makes a difference. And so here, they're doing nothing. And then it says, verse 14, He appeared to them. This is when it started to turn around. This is when it started to turn around. Before that time, if they were left in their condition, Now, thank God, God doesn't leave us in the condition of sin. Amen. He sends a rescue plan. That's why Jesus came. He came to die on the cross to rescue you from sin. And here, they're in sin. They're in hardness of heart because he rebuked their unbelief. There's three things he does in verse 14 and 15. He he appears to them. Number one. Number two, he rebukes them. So what does he do? He rebukes their immaturity because they're lacking understanding concerning the times and the seasons and the things that God really wanted to do. They thought they really knew Jesus. They thought they really knew who he was, but they didn't fully understand that he had to go to the cross and rise again on the third day. And when he in fact did it, they still did not believe. Does anybody feel like they're always letting God down? They feel they're always making mistakes here, this is the disciples, but here, they're, they're making mistakes. They're making basic errors. A bit like Tottenham yesterday in defense. Never mind. That was a cheap little comment. They, they may come back as we go through this message, but it, there's nothing like being happy and rejoicing in the truth. Hallelujah. Because the truth will set you free. Amen. So here, they're, they're not in a very good way, but it says he appeared to them. That word appear is the word, similar to the word manifest. When he turned water into wine and he manifested himself and he showed them his glory, it says, then his disciples believed in him. That's in John 2. You can check it later. So he turned water into wine. When he did the miracle to turn water into wine, he revealed himself. Now Jesus is the self-revelation of God. If you're looking for God, if you're searching for God, then look at Jesus, amen? Because he is the manifestation of God. He is the revelation of God. And he appears to them, and then things begin to change. He changes them. He rebukes their unbelief. Now, that could be a negative, amen? Who wants to be rebuked for their unbelief? I mean, who likes their mom uh, challenging them when they can't get out of bed in the morning? Anybody in the front row? Uh, They haven't done their laundry. Uh, If a wife has rebuked you, Francois, for not doing the washing up, It doesn't feel too good. Here, it's a good thing to be rebuked. I remember being in Brazil. And I was 19 and Colin was preaching in front of hundreds of thousands of people. Hundreds of thousands of people, Colin was preaching to, and I was just hyped. I was thinking, "Wow, this is awesome! I'm in Brazil. Hundreds of thousands of people. This is great. I'm with Colin Dye, Blah blah blah. And I was I was radical. My prayers were radical. Now I was in a room sharing a room with a Lebanese guy who worshipped the Lord, and so he would worship the Lord, yeah 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 at the top of his voice in some sort of accent, and he is me as he. I can't hear myself, so I put my put my iPhone. Well, wasn't I for my walkman or walkman in my head, and I just began to pray loudly in tongues. Anyway, I could still hear the guy uh, praising and thought, my God, I need to go into another room. So I went into the bathroom and I started letting rip in tongues outside the bathroom. Now, I didn't know, as I prayed loudly at about six o'clock in the morning, my voice begin to take on momentum. It started to take through momentum right throughout all the plumbing system in the hotel and started to go into all the rooms in the hotel. So so everybody in the hotel was awake, hallelujah. Well, that's what I was praying, that everybody would be awake. Well, I went down to breakfast and uh, Colin was not best pleased. And um, uh, he sent Bruce to go and rebuke me. I didn't know Bruce was going to rebuke me because rebuking doesn't feel good if I knew that Bruce was going to rebuke me I wouldn't have sat down at the same table as him <laughs> and he just sat down now don't take this as, as truth what he said but it, it, he had to get my attention he had to move some obstacle to set me free and uh, maybe I didn't. that was not the freedom I was looking for but he sat down and he said you know Christian what you did this morning was of the devil <laughs> I said what I did this morning was of the devil What do you mean? You praying in tongues, your tongues are of the devil. (laughs) But that just hit me right in the heart. I was, I tell you, for about a good hour and a half, I was vexed. I was annoyed. I was upset. Uh, But that's what I needed. God knows what you need. Amen. God knows what you need. And as I go back to that event, it's not happy when you get rebuked, but maybe I could have been a little bit more sensitive to people's needs, a little bit more compassionate, kept my volume down and my power up, as June Freudeburg used to say. And But you know what? When I got up the steps on that bus and looked at a million people, all that discouragement left and I was my usual happy, joyful self. Amen? Here in this state of being rebuked, God removes the obstacles and he says these words, go, into all the world and preach the gospel. Now I want Moses to put the pictures on the screen here. Now I have the privilege of going to Canada next week for the Pass on the Baton uh, by Reinhard Bonker and the CFAN team and a lot of revivalists are meeting in Toronto and I'd, already in December I'd said, listen, this is something I want to go. And um, I want to remind you as we go through some of these uh, pictures today that before you go, you've got to prepare to go, amen? Maybe there is some rebuking to be done. Maybe there is some obstacles to be removed in your own heart. Maybe Jesus needs to turn up with his knife and actually cut out some things that are not not of him. And that's going to be a painful experience. Joshua had to circumcise the people before they went in the promised land. And let's face it, who wants to go through that operation? Not me. Amen. (laughs) Not me. But what's needed. And uh, so going, going on mission, going to places. I said at the beginning of this year, this is a year to pitch your tent in God. Amen. This is a year to pitch your tent in God. And so I'm going to Toronto. few people have hijacked the time. Uh, and uh, we've got about five people going that from London now. And it's not something that we've wanted to mobilize for. It just happened that way. But we're going to seek God and we're going to pray. And in the 90s, many people from KT went to Toronto to seek God during the Toronto Blessing to catch something of God. Now, if you can't catch something of God here in, in the church, then go somewhere else and catch it and bring it back here. Amen. We've had many people who've caught, had something in God, but then they've left the church and they've taken the fire out. We want the fire to return, amen? We want the fire to return, so go and get it and bring it here. And the more fire starts to burn at this altar, the more fire would start to start in the church. And then this bonfire would start to happen in KT and everybody will spread all over the world and make a difference for God. In fact, there's many people who went before you, who sat in the same seat as you, who are pastoring churches, large congregations today, because they sat there, but they, they caught the fire here in KT. And so I want to challenge you today, spend some time catching the fire, amen? If you don't have the fire, spend some time seeking God. And so here, there's a bus. Uh, Go. The reason I've named it Go 16, because I believe that everything in my life changed when I was 16 years old. And also because of Mark 16. Mark 16, being a model. So get on the bus and start moving forward with God. Amen. And then here, this could be a picture of your life. The next slide. Then you've got Go Airways. Go Airways, which is started by British Airways. And this is a picture of the church. I remember having a dream uh, and I was just running, running away from a gang or somebody was chasing me. Uh, and I remember in the dream thinking, why am I running when, when, I, when I can fly? And I just started taking off in the dream and flying. And I believe what this means is that God wants to take us out of where we are and take us to a completely different level, amen? He wants to take us where we are in a place of maybe mourning or grief or hardness of heart and lift us up to a completely new level. So that's the next slide. So this is where you want to start being, amen? To go into all the world and preach the gospel is to start flying spiritually. It's to start going to a completely new level. So I want to challenge you today to make this commitment to God. Now, it's not the commitment to being perfect, because many people believe today you have to be perfect to become a leader. You have to be perfect. What they mean by that is our external perfection. Well, we've got to realize right now that none of us are externally perfect and none of us are internally perfect. The only one who is perfect is Christ himself. Amen? So if we're going for perfection before we start launching out to do things for God, launching a cell group, meeting a community leader, strategizing with that community leader, start reaching the community. If we we don't step out, if we're waiting for perfection, then it's not going to happen. We have to start planning now. And I believe that God put in my heart that you have to get the goal back in your life. Amen. You have to get the get up and go back in your life. Now you, You can't even score a goal today unless you go. Amen. You can't score a goal unless you go, unless you go, unless you release it. Another word for go is the word move. Unless the ball moves into the opposition's half, into the final penalty area, a goal will not be scored. And if we're going to score a goal, if we're going to create an impact in the things of God, we've got to start moving people, amen? We've got to start moving forward. Now, I don't know where you need to move forward, but you've got to challenge yourself today. This is what Jesus said. See, Mark 16 was never meant to stay in Mark 16. Well, We could glorify the pastor, just rip it out right now and just keep it there. Jesus was saying the gospel was not meant to stay in Mark's Gospels, chapter 16. The whole point was to go into all the world. That world is the world cosmos. So I believe we've got to start flying in the things of God. Now next, next uh, this is a train. This is in Canada. He says they get on the go, amen. It's time for the church to get on the go get on the go. What does that mean for you? Well, I don't preach, Christian. I'm not loud. I'm not externally loud. I'm not expecting to be externally loud. You could be externally quiet, internally quiet. God could still use that. Amen? You could be used in caring for people and just looking out for people in need. There's plenty of need in our community. I was reading T.G. Jakes' book on soar, and he was talking about this. He was talking about, if you're going to soar in business. Now, the book is a little bit entrepreneurial. It's a bit more business. If you're a businessman, then read that book. Uh, I'm more spirit-led, amen? And that's not to condescend against the book. It just meant that it's just a bit of a language. But when he was saying that, I thought he was saying, if you're going to be an entrepreneur or a business person, then all you have to do is meet a need. Many successful businessmen, they just started by meeting a need. And because they met the need, then their business started to boom. And when you forget your why, why you're meeting the need, often, like the church, if you forget what you're doing and the reason why you're doing it, often things start to slow down. See, when things turn into making money, uh, uh, becoming famous, uh, what you look like externally, rather than the why factor. Why are we here? We're here to win people to the Lord, amen? Why are we here? Because we love Jesus. If we love Jesus, we're going to love what he's doing, amen? Amen. There's a tough questions. I ask myself the same questions. So time to get on board. Time to get on the go. Now, if you go to Catalonia, you can also, uh, next side please, you can ride one of these. The go car. The talking tour car. I believe we've got to start talking about Jesus, amen? We've got to start asking questions about Jesus. We've got to somehow bust through the fear factor and start moving forward. And then last of all, get on the go. My gran, she used to walk our dog. Get on the go. If that's all you do, walk the dog. If that's all you do to get out of the house, walk the dog. Then walk the dog and talk to people about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Because Jesus said, next slide please. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now I've got some quotes for you here. Um, Reinhard Bonker is preaching next week and we just pray that he's able to be there um, during the gathering. He says this, If you want to catch fish, don't throw the net into the bathtub. There is no fish. You may perhaps catch a piece of soap in there. If you want to catch fish, take your net, cast it in the river of the sea. That is where the fish is. We need to relearn to seek the lost by going to the highways and the byways. Jesus said, go, go, go. He does not sit with sitters, but he goes with goers. Amen. He does not sit With sitters, he goes with goers. What were the disciples doing there? They sat at the table. Maybe you're sat at the table of discouragement, you're sat at the table of fear, you're sat at the table of debt, you're sat at the table of struggle. But Jesus wants to come into your world and set you free so you can go into someone else's world and set them free. Amen? Jesus wants to enter your world and set you free so you can go into someone else's world and set them free. See, God is on the move. God is on the move and you have to start moving with God. Billy Graham himself had to move with God when Mordecai Ham, who was a preacher at that time, and Billy Graham was just 16 years old, or just before 16 years old, he was in the meeting and he was a bit scared of the hellfire preacher and so he joined the choir, tried to hide out in the choir. Yeah, Billy Graham joined the choir, just encouragement to Sam and a few of the other guys in the front row. He had joined the choir, but this was not the reason he joined the choir. He joined the choir to hide away from the preacher. But Billy goes on in his book and he says, as I was hiding away from the preacher, the conviction of God started to settle in my heart and the conviction of God started to work its way into my heart. It was like Jesus was rebuking Billy. He was bringing him to the place of conviction of sin, which is the place of change. He says, a few weeks into the meetings, just a few days shy of my 16th birthday, Billy Graham remembers here in Dr. Ham, quote, Romans 5, verse 8. And how much God loves us remained with Billy Graham. He was preaching on the love of God. During his own crusades and sermons and messages, Billy Graham regularly told people, God loves you. And Dr. Ham finished his message. He invited the people to accept Jesus Christ. And Billy Graham was the one who went forward. He was the one who went forward. What, the man who was hiding from the preacher? The man who had issues in his life? The man who was convicted, the man who joined the choir for the wrong reason. That was the man that God used to bring the gospel to the world. Amen. Billy Graham says this about the privilege of preaching the gospel on every continent in most of the countries of the world. What? The guy who hid in the choir? The guy who wasn't paying attention? The guy who was convicted? The guy who didn't respond initially, but then he was the number one person who responded? God saved him and took him all over the world. Maybe that's what God wants to do with your life, amen? God wants to to minister to your need. He wants to convict you. He wants to change you. And he wants to use you to go into the world because God says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He takes that message and he drives it supernaturally into the human heart, Billy Graham said. Here is a quote from Reinhard Bongo when someone was interviewing him. He says, tell me about your process of preparing for evangelistic sermons or another word of preaching the gospel. He says, I don't deliver sermons, I deliver people. Sounds like Evangelist monkey. I preach the ABCs of the gospel. I often say, and often preach the ABCs. My colleagues preach the X, Y, Z. So between us, we preach the whole alphabet. I go into the jungle often. I go to the remote areas where nobody else is going. They keep telling me, you're the first evangelist who has come to this area. With or without that. I have to repeat the ABC of the gospel. I preach salvation always. So I'm a repeat preacher. Now that's not bad. A repeat preacher. Like teachers at school, getting a new class, explaining the ABCs, that's why I get it. I'm a repeat preacher. See, this is what it means to repeat the gospel, to preach the gospel. You're on repeat. <laughs> You're just preaching that God has a plan for your life. You're preaching that sin blocks you from knowing God. Well, sin was blocking the disciples from knowing God. Sin was blocking the disciples from moving forward in the things of God. And maybe sin is blocking you but Jesus can appear to you, amen? He can appear to you, he can rebuke you, he can change you, and then he can set you on course for mission. 1947, my granddad and my nana set on a course. They came from India, in Mumbai. They came from India, and they went all the way up the Suez Canal, and they came to the United Kingdom. My dad, my granddad was white, my nana was black Indian, and they were on a ship. If they didn't go on that ship and make that move into the UK that I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be here today. See, some of us, we have to move from point A to point B. And the word in the Greek is the word go. It's the word poromai. Poromai. And it simply means to move. It means to travel. It means to go on a journey. It's actually transporting, moving something from one destination to the other. Moving something from one destination to the other. That's exactly what God wants us to do. He wants us to move the gospel all away around the world. There has to be movement. In order to win a race, there has to be movement. Now, if you are training for any fight, any race, you have to start with movement. See, in fact, it's the movement. You think the final, the final goal that was scored yesterday, who has scored it? Uh, Sam? You can't even remember. You call yourself a fan. You call yourself a supporter. Herrera. <laughs> that final goal that was scored in the semi-final yesterday, how did he score that goal? How, how, I mean, how did he put the ball eventually in the net? Because if you just worship the guy who put the ball in the back of the net, then you may have missed it because that goal was a team goal. They started in defence. They moved through the midfield. They went on the left. They cut aside that guy who used to play for Arsenal. who is that? Sanchez. Put the ball across. See, I've got all you guys going on there. Just... Encouragement. As he put the ball across, then Sancho uh, Herrera, Herrera came in and banged it home. See, the church, to be successful, has to start moving the gospel from point A to point B. We have to move the gospel all the way around the world. See, breakthrough happens when we're on the move. When we're on the move. I remember meeting a guy in Mali, sat down with him, a guy called John Francois. And I remember going to Mali, being sent on, from, from KT and I sat down with them and my it wasn't supposed to be a proudful attitude I was there to serve but my, my communication skills were like this listen we've come to help you what can we do in Mali? and um, I'm thinking I'm going to help them I'm thinking I'm going to do something and I'm going to bring the great KT and the great KT vision uh, uh, and our experience of church planting and our experience of evangelism and our utter hard work in serving Jesus I'm going to bring it to Mali and I sat down with the guy And he started to explain to me how God had put a passion in his heart to go. To go where? To the unreached villages. He said, yeah, I'm tired of doing church. I've been doing my church and nothing's been happening. And God said, don't stay in Bamako. I'm going to not make you a pastor in Bamako. I'm going to make you an evangelist to the villages. And he said, God just placed in my heart. So on Monday... We go, we start up at five o'clock, we spend three hours driving through the villages and we preach the gospel, we come back just short of midnight and what we do the next day, we move again on the Tuesday and we go to the other village and every day we keep going to the village. In fact, we've been going to the villages these last 21 days, he said. He said, I've got malaria, I've been ill for a while, but I'm back up and I'm ready to go again. My reaction to that was, what, you've got malaria, you should sit down and have a rest. You you look sick, you need to, no, he's got this passion, he's got this fire. And as he started to talk about being on the go and start going, I started getting convicted. I thought, I need to be with this guy. What have I been doing all my life? Here's this guy evangelising every night. Now, if you're lucky, we'll evangelise once a week, four o'clock on a Sunday. We'll go out, a few people in the back room Uh, The good, the bad, the ugly of evangelism. Someone shouting in the street, someone trying their best to sing a worship song. And for UKT people who have ever seen anybody on the street evangelizing, you can think, well, that was good, or you can think, oh, no, that's not for me. But whatever, at least they're doing something, amen? At least they're doing something. And these people who are trying their best doing something, they see people respond on the streets to faith in Jesus Christ. So we've got to ask ourselves the question if they're doing something, what are we doing? Jean-Francois, he's preaching every day. So when I came back from Mali, I thought to myself, this is what I've got to do. I've got to start going. I've got to start ministering. I've got to start going to people. See, when he started going to these villages, these people were unreached. They'd never heard of Jesus. We've heard the gospel once, but we never shared it with somebody else. See, we're, we're not going, we're not spreading the ball wide. We're not spreading the gospel wide. Here, he's spreading all over Mali. Did you know they had a baptism with about 10,000 people over the period of three years, 10,000 people. I mean, not just what Gable did the other day and sprayed somebody who, who came to the church and he was disabled and that. And we believe in that. we believe in the water baptism here. They built a baptism in the middle of the villages of Mali, and they baptized 10,000 people, 10,000 people. That was the work they did. Now, would these people have ever been reached? Would they have been reached with the gospel if, if John Francois had just stayed in the church? If he accepted just being a pastor? God's called me to be a pastor. Looks good. I've got about 500 people in the city of Bamako. I've got a reputation. Everything's going well with me. No, but God started to birth something in his life as he started to be on the move. And this word, my" is the word move. And in fact, it means passageway. It's like you're bringing the gospel through the passageway and you bring it into people's lives who need to hear about Jesus Christ. So be on the go. I wanted to show a clip to you. I'm a proud dad. This last week we had a little seminar on fatherhood. And I've been just learning about fatherhood. But one thing about being a father or a dad is I want my kids to be successful. I want them to move. Now, I want them to be successful in playing football. I want them to be successful in athletics. I want them to be successful in boxing. I want them to be successful in doing sport. I also want them to be successful in knowing Jesus when they get older, hallelujah, and learning the things of God. But when they're doing sport, you get overly competitive. So I wanted to show you a clip as we move on to the next session um, right now. So let's watch that clip. I'm a bit over enthusiastic, but this was Judah go, at go, his go, first go, go, sports Go, 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 go. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Excellent, excellent. Oh, well done well, done, well done, well done. Well done, that. Now, why was I doing that? Why was I overly excited? Because I'm passionate about my son, amen? I want him to go. I want him to win. Now, some, some people might say, well, don't. Calm down. Calm down. You have to teach the child, teach the child that if he doesn't win, it's okay. Right? Teach the child if he doesn't win, it's okay. And I say, well, that's all right. That's fine. But I'm just not that type of person. I'm just not that type of person. And now And God, God might need to rebuke me and change me. I'm just not, I get hyped, I get up there. I want to, come on. Now, if he doesn't win, you know what? It's okay if you don't win. Next time you're going to win, hallelujah. <laughs> My brother said to me, when he had his child, Joshua, you know Joshua? Joshua is a go-go kind of Bible person. So when he had his son, Joshua, who's about 13 now, I had a discussion with him. I said, well, of course, Dean, you're going to get him into football, aren't you? You know what he said to me? I think he'd been discipled and influenced by his wife. Be careful, Scott when you get married, you know, wives can influence you, I remember one of my in-laws getting married, and he was watching the football, and his wife muttered something under her breath, and she said something like, that'll be the first thing to go, that'll be the first thing to go, and I thought, you know what, you're into challenges there, because when you're marrying a man, you're marrying his passions as well, you can't just change the things, you know, football's a part of us, in my DNA, if I don't play football, you know, I'll, I'll be cranky, I'll be upset, isn't that right, Scott, yeah? Yeah. So you've got to accept the roof with the smooth. But I said to my brother, I said, listen, of course he's going to play football, isn't he? You know what he said to me? Well, let him make up his mind. Let him make up his mind. I said, well, that's, that's he's made his, you've made his mind up right there. You're going to model that. You're not going to teach us on how to play. You're not going to go with him anywhere. I think it was Sam who's telling me this week, and I was saying to, to him about his relationship with his dad. And he was in cell, and he was telling me, when I was young, my dad would take me everywhere. And what was his dad doing? His dad's a preacher. And his dad would take this little boy, Sam, and he'd be preaching or singing or whatever his dad was doing in churches. And part of what Sam is here today, he's on the front row. Why? Because his dad was a get up and go dad. His dad would get up and go and he wouldn't just leave his sons or his daughters at home. He would take them with him and he would model what it is to be a dad who loves Jesus and preaches the gospel and goes for God. Amen. And I think that's what we need to do. If you're a parent here today, I want to encourage you. Get up and go with your children. Don't leave them. Uh, Rodney Howard Brown, he said, it's better for the kids to be on the floor in the revival than in the kids' work in the back room. Now, we thank God for the kids' work in KT, but what he was saying is, often kids' work is just passing the time. Put put a movie on, make the kids happy. You know, they'll be all right. The adults will encounter God inside the revival and the kids will just watch some TV in the back. Rodney said, listen, it's better for them to be on the floor in the revival, because the presence of God is here. God's power is in the building. So let the kids be on the floor encountering God. Amen? And so we need to—we need a balance between putting our kids in a back room somewhere, being babysat by people who may be following God, but maybe they're not following God, and bringing them into the church and encountering God at the same time. I remember preaching the gospel in Wembley when we were doing a mission in Wembley. And as we were doing the mission in Wembley, I, I had, Toyin was doing a night shift. So I had I had to have Judah with me, Uh, and people were expecting me to preach in in Wembley, so I did. I don't know, were were you there uh, at that time? Uh, Simon Brett and the team. And I remember having Judah just just carrying him like that. So for about half an hour, I just preached with this baby boy, just sat in my arm like that, preaching the gospel. Why? Because we don't stop because we have kids. We don't stop because life changes. We we keep going for God. Things may change. The way we do things may change. Style may change. But what doesn't change is that goal for the gospel. Amen? We've got to get on the move. We've got to keep moving forward with God. We've got to keep moving forward in the things of God. So it's a call to go. When Jesus read out this passage, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Get the goal back in your life. Get the go back in your life. Now here he says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Now, what does that mean for you? In my name, they will cast out demons. So I've got two thoughts today. One is that does not work. It doesn't work. Have you tried it ever? You tried to cast out a demon in Jesus' name, you try to lay hands up on the sick, and in Jesus' name it hasn't worked. Who's ever done that? You prayed for someone, How many honest people do we have here today? Amen, because I've done that a thousand times and it hasn't worked. Hasn't worked, all right? But I've also done it and it's worked. So which camp are you in today? The people who've done it and it's worked or the people who have done it and it hasn't worked? Because here, when it hasn't worked, I can safely tell you today that a lot of that has been because me in my heart has not been there with God. I have not been carrying the revelation. I have not been full or as full of God. See, in, Christian, in the Christian faith, we use the name of Jesus like, like it's a key opening a door or it's like some phrase that we, we use. Like in the book of Acts with the sons of Sceva, what were they doing? They said, they didn't even say in the name of Jesus, but it's as close as you're going to get to how we operate when we don't really know Jesus. We don't really know Jesus and we don't really have the revelation of who Jesus is because that word "anoma" in the Greek is knowing the name of Jesus, but it means to know who Jesus is, the person of Jesus. So it's not just saying, Jesus, 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 demon, come out. I remember being in Hangar Lane in a flat, and I was in my room with Emerson, who is now the director of CFAN. We were in a room together, sharing, we were at Bible school at those times. And one of my friends, who's an evangelist in, in Norwich, he was in another room with another guy at 3am in the morning. He got him saved and he brought him into the house. And as he brought him into the house, what was he doing? He was saying, you devil, get out. Get out in Jesus' name. Get out in Jesus' name. Then the devil spoke back and said, I'm not coming out. He says, you come out in the name of Jesus. I'm not coming out. I'm not coming out. You come out. You come out. This conversation was going on the whole night. You come out. No, I'm not coming out. Come out in Jesus' name. No, I'm not coming out. See, we can be fighting with the devil because we're just trying to quote the name of Jesus, like it's the same of quoting McDonald's or Burger King or some other name that we can think of. See, it's not just quoting the name, it's knowing who Jesus actually is, amen? And knowing who Jesus has called you on the inside. The sons of Sceva were the same, we, in the name of Paul's God, in the name of Paul's God, come out. But they didn't even know Paul's God, they didn't know Jesus, they were not even Christians. And then the sons of Sceva, those demons, overpowered them because they didn't really know who Jesus was. See, that word Anoma is the self-revelation of God. It's Jesus manifest. Has Jesus manifested himself to you? When you rise up in spiritual authority, that word go comes with authority. Amen? It comes with strength. Jesus is not saying go alone. I mean... Does anybody here want to go alone? I mean, if you live in London, you don't want to go alone. I know a, a Bible college student, God bless him. He came to London and he was walking all the way down past Worm and Scrubs. Now, I wouldn't walk past Worm and Scrubs, would you? If, I, if you know what was good for you. I wouldn't walk alone past Worm and Scrubs. So guess what happened? He got robbed. It's a dangerous place to go in London in places you do not know alone another one of our students was walking in a dead end just in Notting Hill Gate he had a laptop well guess what someone walked with him it wasn't Jesus it wasn't a friend from KT well he grabbed that laptop and he went on his way see when you evangelise don't go alone there was a reason why Jesus said go and he paired them up in twos because if two agree concerning anything they ask it will be done by my Father in heaven go in twos go in a team Make it an adventure. That word go means travel. It means a journey. Who wants to go on a journey by themselves? Who wants to go on a journey? One of the guys who is uh, working for me at, um, at the coronet, when we had the coronet, he said, you know, I love, I love going to the cinema. I said, who do you go with? I'll go alone. I said, what? Go alone. Now, I'm thankful if you have got nothing better to do and you go to the cinema alone, God bless you. But I'm, I'm into the journey. I'm into a team. I'm into family. And God doesn't want you to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. And everybody said? Amen. And Scott said? Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Sorry, I just wanted a little bit of a laugh there. But it's not good for man to be alone. So what are you doing alone in the cinema? See, going to the cinema, when I was a kid, going to the cinema was fun. Why was it fun? Because you went with your friends. After the cinema, you went and had ribs. After the ribs, you went somewhere else because it was a team thing. And church is a team thing. Jesus was speaking here to a bunch of people, not just individuals. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go together. When John Francois was going to these villages, was he going alone? No, he was going in a big minibus with a big team of people. When Jesus was going, what was he doing? He raised up disciples and he went. See, nobody's reached by people And we appreciate what people do before the 2.30 service and after the 2.30 service in cell groups in the church. But nobody's going to be reached by cell groups staying inside the church. Well, we meet in Costa. We meet in Cafe Nero. That's the same thing, isn't it? You're meeting there and you're regularly meeting there. But the only people who meet there is Christians. So the only people who are going to be reached in Cafe Nero for as good as that's going to be is Christians. Jesus said, get out, sitting around tables, because that's what they were doing. Get around, just talking about problems and pastoral issues. And we, we really care in this church. And Claudette does a great job. But you know what? Caring is one thing. We've got to care for each other. But sharing is another thing. We've got to share the gospel. We've got, to share, we've got to share our care. We've got to say the church is caring. Jesus is caring. And I want to tell you that Jesus cares for you. At four o'clock, for anybody who's interested, we're going to do a walk down to Grenfell. I don't know if you've ever walked down Grenfell, but it's one of the most touching things that you could possibly do to get your get up and go back. Now, we had some get up and go when the tragedy happened. The whole church got out of the office, came down to KT, got loads of clothes. The church, some of you, got loads of clothes that existed in your house that were basically blocking things up, put them in bags, brought them down to the church, and you blocked the lower hole up. Full, full of bags, full of clothes. The church was mobilized for about two or three weeks. And then what's happened after that? So we got our God up and go for two or three weeks. And on the 14th of June, there'll be the anniversary of Grenfell. And we've got to ask ourselves a question what are we doing? Last week, there was a fire in Peckham. Do we know what's happening in our city? Do we know Sarah was out yesterday because Sarah, one of our evangelists, God's given her a passion to go where the crime rate is high, in Hackney, in Islington, and in other areas of London. Now, she's just going to go and pray. She's going to go and evangelize. But that's what God has placed on her heart. That's the get up and go. That's saying, hey, I refuse to just allow the statistics to increase and the crying to increase in our city. I am going to do something about it. Like David and Goliath. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who comes against the army of God? I'm going to come against him because I'm not coming against him in my name. I'm coming against him in the name of the Lord God. And it's just Mark 16 that makes the difference. When we go, we go in the name of all names. Amen. We go in the in the kingdom of all kings, the name where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. See, going in Jesus' name fundamentally, mentally makes a difference. I remember evangelizing in the middle of Leicester Square. If you ever thought about Leicester Square, it petrified me going and preaching in Leicester Square. And the very mention of Leicester Square, preaching in Leicester Square, may even petrify you today. But you know what? You cannot preach in Leicester Square, Hyde Park, and in these areas unless you've got something in God. Unless you've got something in God. Unless you're carrying something in God. Weight, I call it. Weight. You know people who've got weight in God? When they speak, stuff happens. When they speak, people fall over. When they speak, fear comes into people's lives. The fear of the Lord. Because they've got weight. They're carrying weight. I remember preaching in Leicester, in Leicester Square. I remember thinking a guy was preaching there and I thought, when am I ever going to do that? We went out on a Tuesday night and as we preached, nothing seemed to happen. Anybody been there before? You've done an event, nothing, no one got saved. You've done a street preach or an outreach, a prayer meet, nothing really happened. But you want, you want, is Jesus coming into the room? You want Jesus to make the difference. And a man was there from America and his friend said to him, listen, don't listen to these preachers. Don't listen to them. And there was this, something happening there, conversation stopping this man from serving God. And then this lady who was next to me, a friend of mine, she just said, I take authority over that in the name of Jesus. She said the words, I arrest you in the spirit. Now, what's not important is the word arrest. We didn't handcuff him and bring him forward and send him off to prison. No, that's not what happened. She was using some language that they're in more of Jamaican prayer meetings. Is that right? I arrest you in the spirit. I take authority over you. And as she said those words, this man ran right forward and he knelt down and he started to weep like a baby. And he said, you know what? I need Jesus in my life. I want you to pray with me right now. My wife's a Christian. I'm a backsliding Christian. Can you pray with me right now? Well, we were so shocked we didn't even know what to do. I was thinking, well, what happened that." That's what happens when Jesus does something. When Jesus takes your words anoints them and boom the gospel comes in and changes lives. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is the word evangelion, and it means the good news. It means the good news. It means to preach. To preach the good news. That's what Jesus said. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Those who believe and are baptised will be saved. And those who do not believe will be condemned. So that's Pray in a few moments. God wants you to do something today. God wants you to move today. If we're going to see miracles, it's going to require movement. Movement. One of the things you can do is move out of bed a little bit earlier in the morning. Amen? That's what I've been trying to do. Now, it's a little bit easier in my house because actually I get woke up at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. So it's quite easy to get up at 6 o'clock because I'm already awake. I say that because the kids, sometimes they wake up early in the morning. At 6.45, I'm trying to get up. It starts with prayer. We know as we move into the Pentecost season, we know that we can't go out sometimes unless we've met with God. So next week, I'm believing I'm going to meet with God. On the Pentecost weekend, the prophetic weekend, where Paul Cain comes, I'm believing that as a church, we're going to meet with God. That Colin, our senior minister, he's going to meet with God. Amanda is going to meet with God. And our team and our primary, they're going to meet with God. Because we can't do the things that God has called us to do without God. We need God in our lives and we need Jesus to appear to us in a brand new way to put that goal back in our lives, to put that destiny back in our lives so we can start moving the ball forward, start winning some souls and seeing some miracles and seeing some change in our city when we start rising up and making a difference for God. See, motivation and mobilization, think about those words. What motivates you? What motivates you? What is going to motivate you to reach out to someone who doesn't know Christ? What is going to motivate you? Now, you say today, Christ motivates me. Well, that's a good one. The cross and the Bible, they motivate me. You know what motivates me in preaching the gospel is when I see beyond people's faces and I see their need. I see beyond what they look like, and I see their need. It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a heart thing. When you see what's going on in someone's life, and the Bible calls it being moved. Compassion is to be moved. Our bowels move, not just because we eat too much KFC. We move with compassion. Be moved on the inside. You can't move yourself without God. You see a need, you're moved and then you're moved to do something about it. There's kids and youth who need Christ in Labrador Grove today, riding bikes, doing vandalism, not evangelism, vandalism. They're doing stuff. They're smoking pot. I mean, I drove down Labrador Grove the other day and I felt high. I didn't feel high because I was smoking pot. I actually, not because I was smoking pot, I just breathed in the fumes that were in the area. This is what's happening in our city. Now, people are trying to legalise cannabis. Okay, fine, if you know what I mean, we can talk about that later on. But the fact is that cannabis and drugs are driving our young people into prison and into destinies that God has not ordained for them. And God is looking for a Samuel, a David, a Moses, a Joshua to go into those places and to pull them out and bring them into heaven. Amen. And it starts by us moving, being moved with compassion. Paul said these words, the love of Christ compels me. Now, somebody tells me to do something, I don't want to do it. Amen. If someone tells me to do it, I don't want to do it. I came into church at 16, some guy asked me to pack chairs, and I said, I don't think I said anything, I just walked away. I thought, you know what, that's not me. Packing chairs. You can pack chairs yourself. That was my attitude. That's some joy. Give us some joy. That was my attitude. When Lewis said, our attitude affects our altitude in the things of God. If you want to fly in the things of God, check your attitude. Well, you know what? After a couple of youth meetings, some friendship building, some movies that we did together, not as individuals, and we went out and we had some meals together and we connected. We did some prayer meetings. My heart started to melt and a desire for God was birthed in me at 16. So when I was asked to pack the chairs because my heart had melted, I said, yes, I'll help pack the chairs because my heart had melted and there was no more barriers on the inside of me. That's what it means to be moved because it happens in your heart. So what did Jesus do? He appeared to the disciples. He rebuked their unbelief. He moved the hardness of heart. He removed the pride and then he put his confidence in these people and he said, I'm going to put the gospel in your hands. Go into the world. And preach the gospel. Who, me? I'm a failure. Me? I didn't even believe you were going to rise from the dead. Who, me? I'm messed up. Yes, you, who's messed up, going through difficulty. God has a plan for you to go and make a difference for him. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be Billy Graham, who responded in Mordecai Ham's meeting, and you're going to go around the world. But I tell you what, you will go around your world. You'll go around your people. You'll go around meeting their needs. And as you meet their needs, God will use you in an incredible way. And does this mean that suddenly all the weaknesses in your life are going to disappear? Well, maybe God will take some of them away, but maybe you'll still have some. Because God doesn't take all things away, He expects us to keep believing, keep moving forward, and to say, God, despite these difficulties, despite these weaknesses, I'm still going to share my faith. We're not sharing a perfect gospel. We're not saying, suddenly Jesus will make you perfect. When you get to heaven... You will receive a new body and you will be perfect. You'll be righteous. But in this world, you'll still have your imperfections because you're a work in progress, amen? And you are got to make a promise to Christ and say, you know what, I'm still a work in progress, but even though I'm a work in progress, I'm still going to move forward with you. I'm still going to go, in Jesus' name.